So I have a confession to make. I can be easily distracted. Perhaps that's something you wrestle with also. There's a, a lure in my heart to be distracted by the latest advertisement or the phone buzzing in my pocket with the latest calendar reminder, latest news notification. In fact, I think many of us wrestle with a distracted lifestyle and that sometimes we miss important events, events that happen every year, events that we take for granted. Every year, Monday, Thursday comes. Every year, Good Friday comes. Now, these are days that epitomize sadness and grief, but you see, I'm, I'm convicted, um, convicted this year because I realized something. I realized I'm more easily distracted. I realized I'm thinking more about Easter egg hunts and Easter morning messages and brunch afterwards. I have a young daughter now, and um, I know she's going to be excited about snatching up Easter eggs on Saturday morning. As a parent, uh, I'm always reminded that children grow up quickly. One day, my daughter will be grown, and each phase of her life is brief, so I don't want to miss it. And just like I shouldn't miss the phases of my daughter growing up, I'm convicted that we can't miss the importance of Thursday and the importance of Friday. But those days bring me to a place of pain, of grief. And for many people, grief is uncomfortable. It can be unbearable. And yet Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday call us to remember, to, to sit with the reality that the religious leaders resolved to put Jesus to death. When morning came, all of the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Now, we live in a society obsessed with happy endings. We don't like death. And when death comes, we cope with it by looking for a distraction. But tonight, I want us to sit with this. And the reason we need to sit with it is so that we can remember the role that we play in the death of Jesus. Yes, the religious leaders resolved to put him to death, but he died because of our sin. And I suspect nearly everyone in this room is familiar with the story of Jesus' crucifixion, but I really don't care if you've heard it before. I want you to imagine it's your first time. I want it to grip your heart like it did when you were a baby Christian. See, Matthew 27 is filled with scenes and characters. The religious leaders open the chapter, but then we meet many other people. There's Judas, the one who betrayed him. And in Matthew 27, we catch a glimpse of his remorse as he attempts to return his blood money. His price was 30 pieces of silver, but the chief priests won't even accept it because... It was just that. It was blood money. There's Pilate, the Roman governor who has Jesus' case dropped on his doorstep, and then he confronts the mob asking Jesus for Jesus' death, and he's shocked when they choose to crucify Jesus. There's Barabbas, the hardened criminal that the people 
choose to free over Jesus. There's the crowds, the mob, who just a few days earlier had waved palm branches and celebrated Jesus, and now they're screaming at the top of their lungs, crucify him! There's the soldiers, who were just doing their jobs, not recognizing the significance of their acts. A man named Simon from Cyrene helps Jesus carry the cross all the way to Golgotha. Who do you resonate with? Because in this scene, there is pain, there's betrayal, there's death. People are put in uncomfortable situations they would rather run from, but they're forced to sit with this scene. It was thrust upon them. And I wonder if they ever understood the significance of what happened, or did they, did they miss it? Because this chapter has changed the world. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, and no matter how many Monday, Thursday services you have come to, don't miss it. Don't be distracted. But I wonder in our age of distraction if we are prone to take a surface level look at Monday, Thursday, and by doing so, do we miss his death? Now, towards the end of Matthew 27, after Pilate hands Jesus over to the crowds and after the soldiers have hung him on a cross, we come to the moment before his death. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Now, to put this in our time frame, this would have been between the hours of noon and 3 p.m., a time of day where there's always light. So imagine you're at your lunch hour when all of a sudden you see darkness outside. And a feeling of fear rises in your chest as you realize something bad, something, something evil is happening. This darkness is not likely to be caused by anything in nature. I think it was supernatural. An unnatural darkness was considered a, a portent, an, an omen in both Jewish and Greco-Roman thoughts. In this scene, a good, innocent Man was sentenced to death and darkness followed. Friends, don't miss this. Don't miss the darkness. Because as Jesus hung on the cross before he died, supernatural darkness covers the land. Jesus died in the dark. Reminding us of the extent of the pain he experienced for us. This darkness also indicated judgment, a judgment that Jesus was about to take on for us. And no matter where you are today, Jesus knows what you are walking through. Look at what he experienced next. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes from Psalm 22.1. And the cry emphasizes the deep emotions of Jesus. It is a cry of agony. Don't miss that. 
No greater pain has ever been experienced on any level than the hell of Christ's suffering in this moment. But why? Because he carried all that pain, that sin, that guilt and shame in that moment, yet on a far deeper level he was forsaken and punished for us to reconcile us to God. Tim Keller illustrates it this way. He says, after a service one Sunday morning, if one of my members of my church comes up to me and says, I never want to see you or talk to you again, well, I would feel pretty bad. But if today my wife comes up to me and says, I never want to see you or talk to you again, well, that's a lot worse. Because the longer the love, the deeper the love, the greater the torment of its loss. But, but this forsakenness here, this loss was between the father and the son who loved each other from all eternity. And so Jesus, the maker of the world, was being unmade. Why? Because Jesus was experiencing judgment day here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was, was not a rhetorical question. And the answer is, for you, for me, for us. That Jesus was forsaken by God so that we would not have to be. That, that judgment should have fallen on us, but it fell on Jesus instead. And here, Jesus stands alone, forsaken by all, and now he feels forsaken by the Father. The judgment that should have fallen on us fell on him instead. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't be distracted. Now, the crowds mistake Jesus' words. They, they think he's calling to Elijah, the prophet. And that's understandable because Eli sounds like Elijah, but it was different. In an act of mercy, someone offers Jesus something to drink. Others mock him. It's a powerful image just before Jesus died because the cross juxtaposes mercy and mockery. And even to this day, the cross shows us mercy, but we may be mocked for our allegiance to it. And then, and then, Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was there at creation, the one who stills the storm, the prophesied Messiah, dies. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Now Jesus cries out twice, both times in agony. But the second time, he dies. And don't miss it. Don't miss his death, because how does he die? It says he yielded his spirit. Friends, this is the climactic moment of the ages. And I am asking, I am imploring us tonight to not miss the significance of this because Jesus willingly yielded his spirit for you and for me. As Grant Osborne says, he wasn't killed so much as he yielded his life in obedience to the divine will. 
John's gospel records an extra layer to the story because the last words of Jesus there are, it is finished. In the Greek, that phrase is actually one word, tetaleste, which can mean it is fully paid. So don't miss it. Because when Jesus said the words, it is finished, and when he yielded his spirits, he paid the sin debt that you and I owed to God. Christian, don't miss his death. Matthew's been leading us here his whole gospel for the kingdom to truly, finally come. The king had to die. And we couldn't have Easter without Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. So sit with it. Don't miss it. Because after he died, something else happened. There were some signs. Do we miss the signs? Immediately after Jesus dies, the text tells us, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Behold, calls our attention to what happened when he died. Behold, three things are recorded as happening. First, the temple curtain was torn. That The temple curtain was the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. But don't miss this. When the text says it was torn from top to bottom, it means that man did not tear the curtain. It was torn from top to bottom, meaning God did that. And because of the finished work of Christ, the separation between God and man has ended. And the earth shook, and the rocks split. Secondly, the earth shook. Literally, there was an earthquake that happened when Jesus died. When God gave his people the law at Mount Sinai, we are told that the earth shook because the presence of God was there. The writer of Hebrews tells us that it was so awesome that Moses was trembling with fear. See, the earth shook when the law came, but when Jesus gave up his life, he took on the thunder of the law, and the earth shook again. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Finally, the dead came back to life. Literally, the tombs broke open. Most likely, this refers to an event that happened after Jesus' resurrection, but it's recorded here for thematic purposes. The point that Matthew is making is this. Jesus' death crushes the power of death. Now, can you imagine being there this night? Christian, don't miss this. Don't miss his death where he yielded his spirit for us. Don't miss the signs that show us death is dead. See, the religious leaders, as they have throughout the Gospel of Matthew, missed it. They're shamed by a Roman centurion, a pagan, who exclaimed this when he saw the signs. Truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. Don't miss it. But don't let it become too familiar. Because the supernatural has changed the way things are. Jesus' death had to happen. Don't skim over it. Don't run to Easter just yet. Instead, take some time at the foot of the cross. 
Do we miss the foot of the cross? The section tells us one more detail. It specifically mentions who was watching Jesus hang on the cross. Verse 55 of Matthew 27 says, There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. See, at the foot of the cross, Matthew tells us there were at least four women, four faithful women who were with Jesus to the end. Matthew names them, but we know very little about their lives except the fact that they were there at the foot of the cross. People probably gossiped about their devotion to Jesus, but they remained with him to the end. And at the foot of the cross, they sat and watched and wept as Jesus died. They didn't miss it. Their feelings are recalled in the famous lyrics of the spiritual, Were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, to tremble, to tremble. Were you there? When they crucified my Lord. See, does the crucifixion, does the death of Jesus cause you to tremble? If it does, you probably haven't missed it. But there's one other person I want to draw your attention to, and that's God the Father. See, as painful as it was for the women to watch their friend die, imagine how excruciating it was for God the Father to watch his son die. As a parent, I cannot bear the thought of watching my child in pain. How agonizing this must have been. And yet, in his sovereign plan, he did this out of love for you and for me. So don't miss it. Because the religious leaders missed it. They resolved to put him to death. And at the end of the chapter, they resolved to keep him dead. They come to Pilate at the end of chapter 27 and they say, Sir, this imposter said he was going to rise again after three days. Make sure you place a guard at the tomb so his disciples don't start some rumor and steal the body. How sad is the story of the religious leaders? I mean, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, over and over again, Jesus has been confronting them, pointing them to the truth, and at the end here, they still miss it. They still wanted their power. They still rejected the truth. If only they had sat at the foot of the cross, maybe they wouldn't have missed it. Instead, their hearts were hard. Bible scholar and pastor N.T. Wright retells the following story about an archbishop who was hearing some confessions of sin from three hardened teenagers in the church. All three boys were trying to make a joke out of it, so they met with the archbishop and they confessed to a long list of ridiculous and grievous sins that they had not committed. It was all a joke to them. 
And the archbishop, seeing through this bad practical joke, played along with the first two who ran out of the church after confessing and they were laughing. But then he listened carefully to the third prankster and before he got away, he told the young man this. He said, okay, you've confessed these sins. Now I want you to do something to show your repentance. I want you to walk to the far end of the church And I want you to look at the picture of Jesus hanging on the cross, and I want you to look at his face and say, you did all that for me, and I don't care that much. And I want you to do it three times, he said. And so the boy went to the front, and he looked at the picture of Jesus, and he said, you did all that for me, and I don't care that much. And then he said it again. But then he couldn't say it a third time because he broke down in tears. And the archbishop telling the story said, the reason I know that story is because I was that young man. There is something about the cross, something about Jesus dying there, For us, which leaps over the theoretical discussions, all the possibilities of how we explain it this way or that way, and it grasps us. And when we're grasped by it, somehow we have a sense that we're being grasped by the love of God. And so tonight, we specifically come to remember the death of Jesus Christ for us on the cross Christian, Jesus did that for you. Do you care that much, or are you distracted? Don't miss it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and we remember the sacrifice of your Son, our Lord and Savior, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ who on the cross loved us so much that he pursued us to the point of death to take the death that we owed you. Payment needed to be made. And Jesus died for us. Oh, Lord, help us not to miss that. Give us the grace not to miss that. And help us to sit with it tonight as we remember Jesus' sacrifice. Amen.